0: Award winner, podcaster, nerdy optometrist. Guess who I have on the show today? The one and only, Yukti Vora. Let's go. This is a Defocus Media production. What are your jobs? what's up everyone it's your favorite optometrist dr daryl glover
1: and i'm dr jennifer lyrely resident optometry nerd
0: and welcome to defocus media optometry's number one podcast where we discuss the hottest topics latest technology eyewear practice management and more so sit back relax and defocus what's up what's up everyone it's your favorite optometrist dr daryl glover Super excited today because we have an incredible show in store for you. That's right, an incredible show. Excuse me, I've been losing my voice. It's that time of the year. But tonight, we're going to really have a great show because it's all about nerding out about optometry. And we have the one and only nerdy optometrist, my friend, my colleague, who's also a famous podcaster and has tons of (laughs) downloads and known all across the world and has been on all types of different continents when it comes to podcasting, my colleague, the one and only, Yukti. Vora, how are you doing today, my friend?
1: I am doing wonderful. Thank you. Thank you so much for all your kind words. Trust me, it's always best better to be on the other side of the show versus <laughs> to be on the hot seat.
0: <laughs> I know. You know, it's funny. Uh, people always ask me to come on a show and do this, that, and the third. And I'm just like, uh, yeah, that's not really how it works. I'm the one that likes to ask the questions because I've been on shows and people are asking me questions. And then the next thing you know, I'm the host, right? So I always end up. <laughs> turning it around on them which opens up for good conversation but yeah. I'm like you I like to be on this side of the table not that side of the table
1: but I enjoy talking with you anyway so let's nerd it out and have fun with defocusing our conversation today
0: I love it I love it and I love all these play on words right that's what we do as podcasters but um you know today I just really wanted to talk about your journey right because you have an incredible journey. Um, you know, you're really like a global optometrist when you think about it, right? You've touched many lives, um, you know, back uh, where you're from, um, here in the States, um, over in Africa, over in the UK. I mean, you've pretty much touched folks in all parts of the world. And I'm super excited to have you on the show. And I'd really would like to just kind of walk through your journey. But, you know, before we get too deep and too far, um, I'd love to maybe just to share a little bit about yourself, you know, where you're from, and that why you know how did you get into eye care if you don't mind my friend
1: absolutely that's my favorite part and my favorite question as well uh, <laughs> because these stories can't be googled right that's that's the best part about these conversations so i'm originally from india uh and i did my optometry in india and i had absolutely no idea about optometry uh, at all, I accidentally bumped into this profession. So one of my friend was actually considering optometry. She didn't end up doing it. But my parents heard about this while we were in like high school and they're like, this seems to be cool. And I was not very good at math. So definitely engineering was not for me. And then I like medicine. So they're like, you might want to explore this option. And I kind of, that's how I bumped into optometry. And in India, we have a different version of how you can get into optometry. So you can have like a degree program and your master's. Uh, But I started off like early on without knowing anything about it. So I started with a diploma course, which is basically a three year of introduction to being an ophthalmic technician. And that's when I'm like, now there is no turning back. Let's keep moving forward.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I hear you. I hear you. So I want to I want to dive a little more. Uh, deeper into optometry in India, right? Because, you know, a lot of show, uh, folks that are listening um, is used to optometry in the States, but they're unaware of what it looks like in different parts of the world. I had the opportunity of actually practicing in Nigeria. I used to have a practice out in Nigeria and I had to go through and um, get licensed out there, I had to take their board and all that jazz. So I know it's completely different in different parts of the world, but the one common thing that we have is it's all about the patient. It's all about making sure that they can see, they can function at a high level. Providing those comprehensive eye exams, but I would love for you to maybe kind of walk me through, um, you know, what a day in the life is like uh, for an optometrist in India.
1: Absolutely, and of course, uh, please note that my information is slightly dated because I have been in the United States for almost <laughs> eight years now.
0: <laughs>
1: I definitely know what's happening back in India. So when right. I started optometry. Or how optometry is being practiced in india so we do have like a four-year program you get your optometry degree and you start practicing either as an independent optometrist but majority of the optometrists back then did work either in multi-speciality hospitals along with doctors or they would have their own retail practice where they would be more focused on dispensing glasses and contact lenses And there were few who would get into speciality, because I believe back in the days, we didn't have that much of exposure everywhere. I knew there were very good institutes who would have that exposure, but not all colleges across India had that level of exposure. Cut to 2020 and beyond. I feel now things have changed a lot, thanks to many, many pioneers who have studied abroad, went back to India and have kind of elevated the level of optometry back home. And now there's like a lot of specialty clinics, research fellows from American Academy of Optometry who reside and practice in India, but they do follow global uh, standards of care. So now you have more of opto- independent optometry practices versus okay. that where it was more of you know working with doctors as a assistant. The best thing about optometry or eye care in India is. The good thing is we have a huge population, right? <laughs> <laughs> so we see lots and lots and lots of clinical cases, which I feel is probably hard to find here, countries here. Like if you're there in like a month, you might see cases that you might see probably in your lifetime. So that was the best part of doing optometry in India, where you learn so much clinically You are like an expert. Uh, and the other difference is we, we don't do a high level of prescription or medication prescribing back in okay. India as a practicing optometrist. So you can do myopia management, you do speciality contact lenses, binocular vision, vision therapy, sports vision, but pharmacology as like an independent practice is very much limited or restricted back home. So that piece is still in works, but other than that, people have kind of expanded into working in these specialties.
0: Yeah, and I and I wanted to get into what you know, what does full scope optometry look like? That look like out there is that a thing? Um, but it seems like there are some restrictions in regards to um, prescribing uh, medications, and that's for anything I'm assuming topical, oral, yes. whatever it may be, for the most part. Gotcha. Yeah. So now, the
1: prescription part is taken care by an ophthalmologist, but ah, anything that is specialty like low vision, specialty contact lenses, vision therapies, gotcha. post vision, all that has been taken care by optometrist.
0: And are we seeing more optometrists partner with ophthalmologists out there because of that? Or is it truly, like you were stating, private practice or independent optometrists that are starting to, to, uh, a boom out there for the most part.
1: Initially, it was basically because you know there wasn't a level of understanding of what full scope optometry practice would look like. Gotcha. I would say, like I, when I was studying, there were a handful of optometry practices, but now with exposure and with understanding of what true full scope of optometry looks like and changes in the regulations as well, people are now branching out as independent practitioners along with. retail space that they would also have because that has money (laughs) so there would be like a combination of practices and they partner with hospitals and ophthalmologists to refer the patients back out there
0: gotcha and uh kind of walk me through what it looks like on the retail aspect um you know here in the states ray-ban oakley you know these are big names they're iconic brands you know what brands that they gravitate towards um in india is it pretty similar or
1: yeah very very similar so of course india has all range because they have to cater to all uh, sure. all yeah. range of uh, population or the demographic they would definitely have all brands of for Exotica, like cartier ray-bans yeah. plays and everything of course whichever is launched in that country majority of the good practices would carry them uh, but they would also have a lot of local brands as well okay one big difference is uh, we do not have like a regular mandatory insurance coverage, right? That is a mandatory part of practice here in the United States. So their majority, I would say 90-95% of the people are paying out of pocket. They're not covered for glasses or contact lenses. Yeah. So that's why you have to keep all the range uh, in terms of price point and the brands you have to offer. But of course, it is like all big brands are available in India.
0: Yeah. You know, I love that point that you brought up about uh, the insurance. Uh, When I was in Nigeria, insurance was accepted out there, but it was hard to get on the panels. But luckily it was more of a cash paying society. And honestly, you know, the cost of goods that I was, um, you know, getting versus what I was, you know, selling them for, I mean, it was actually better margins than it is here in the States. Right. Um, You know, my demographic that I serve, they like high end frames. They like you know, your your Gucci, your Dior, and some independent eyewear designers. So it was actually very rewarding. And it sounds like um, it's the same thing in India as well. Yes, and as a absolutely. matter of fact, when I lived in Nigeria, a lot of times what I would see is a lot of the technology from India will be brought to Nigeria. And a lot of the uh, technology in Nigeria is uh, taken to uh, India as well. Because again, some of those areas highly populated, like yes. Lego, Nigeria, and I'm pretty sure different places in uh, India. So it's very similar as far as lifestyles and needs.
1: Yes, yes, absolutely. So, and there are people, even though they're being out of pocket, they would love to have all these brands. Yeah. So yeah, I think getting these brands, whichever is available in the con- in the country, uh, by these bigger brands, whenever they launch it, it would be made available for the population back then.
0: Gotcha. And if you had to like maybe pinpoint one hurdle for optometry um, in India, what would that be?
1: I think one big hurdle, I don't think so if it's specific to India, but I think this is like a general norm that I've heard that sometimes like charging your consultation fee as an optometrist is a big challenge because there are many retail chains who would do free eye exam, which is basically just doing an autorefractor and yeah. putting that same prescription in a trial frame and giving that out. I think that the concept of paying for your eye exam has been a very big challenge for any optometrist uh, in India who who are trying to uh, set up their independent practice. Many have been very successful, but that still remains a hurdle overall for people to understand, like, why do I pay for a high exam? Isn't it supposed to
0: be- <laughs>
1: they, would play, they would pay a plumber for a, for anything, or an electrician, but
0: they- <laughs> <laughs> One of the hurdles that I ran into when I was in Nigeria <laughs> practicing was um, uh, actually getting goods into the country um, and the exchange rate, you know, to go from Naira, to USD, right? Um, You lose so much on that, that is, you got to really factor that in when you're pricing your, your frames or your services and things of that nature as well. And um, I'm pretty sure with the USD being so strong, a lot of countries are running into those problems right now. Um, You know, and the thing is, you want to make sure that you're buying frames from A reputable supplier because you know there's a lot of counterfeit products that are out there as well right and the last thing you want to be is a doctor or a practice that doesn't sell something that's authentic um so i think that was probably the biggest problem that i ran into um when i was practicing abroad
1: I think one good thing, especially in the optician you know, or the dispensing part back in India is we have a lot of optical associations, like regional associations, and they are very strong. Okay. So they work, they get like group discounts and they'll work with authentic dealers and suppliers. So unless you want to sell it, that's another story by choice. The <laughs> <laughs> Majority of them do practice, like uh, they get directly from the suppliers and they're able to get like authentic stuff back.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. And let me ask this, and you might have mentioned this earlier, maybe it's a dumb question, but is it, a, is it like here in the States where it's a legislative profession as well?
1: It is getting there. So some part okay. of it is, but we still haven't got the complete legislation. And I, I apologize for my limited knowledge, of course, yeah. but uh, there it is getting there. So soon there will be an examination uh, that you need to kind of pass to get your license to practice an optomet- uh, to practice optometry that isn't there yet. But they're working towards it.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, hey, I appreciate you breaking down what optometry looks like in India. I think it's fascinating just to see how all our colleagues across the world practice, you know, what they see. Is it legislative profession? Is it more medical? Is it more retail? Um, you know, what does it really look like? Do they partner with ophthalmology more? Um, yes. so I really appreciate you breaking that down from top to bottom. Um, I want to kind of switch gears here a little bit and I wanna you know, kind of fast forward to you coming to the United States, right? Uh, You know, what was that transition like coming from India to the States um, personally and also professionally?
1: So the good thing was I already had visited United States before I moved uh, back here. And I was like, I'm not moving there. So that was my idea <laughs> for, for a very valid reason. One, because I have to redo or restart my optometry career here while I was a practicing optometrist back in India. So I w- I didn't feel a need to restart my career. Mm-hmm. But I did have a very good exposure in terms of scope of optometry in, in United States. I already had a fellowship american academy of optometry while i was practicing in india so i did visit a couple of times and i knew what it would look like but i definitely didn't want to move here (laughs) till i met with a beautiful accident i would say meeting my husband
0: (laughs) ah there we go
1: (laughs) and then i'm like it's not that bad let me try
0: (laughs) you had a little eye candy a little love You know, kind of the the love bug bit you. Yeah, exactly. Yes, absolutely.
1: A beautiful accident, I would say. Uh, (laughs) And I'm like, okay, if I have to restart, I can rather do it with him than anyone else. So I'm ready to move here. (laughs)
0: They
1: say, right, never say never. And I'm like, I'm not going out of India. And here I am.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Gotcha. Gotcha. So, all right. So we know how you got back to the States. Um, uh, let's talk about a little bit about, uh, non-traditional, uh, ways of, uh, you know, doing things in the States here, as far as eye care goes, if you don't mind sharing that before we jump into that, we actually got a question on Instagram. Um, someone asked, I often get asked, uh, uh from optometrists that have studied optometry in India. Um, how can they get to practice in the United States? Do you know how they can get their degree validated in the United States or, do they have to do their entire career in the United States? And from my understanding, I think you have to go to optometry school and practice and get your degree here in order to be able to practice. Um, Does that sound about right?
1: Uh, Kind of. And this is the question that I would love to elaborate and break down because I I also get that question a lot. So I'm happy to take that. Uh, And by the way, that
0: was Tiny Optometrist. Shout out to her. She's always doing amazing things online. And Thanks for tuning in.
1: Thank you so much for tuning in and asking this question. (laughs) Optometrist. really love all your work you do. Uh, She's killing the
0: game right now. She's doing a fantastic job.
1: Absolutely. And I really like the name tiny optometrist. (laughs) Any any of these puns, I really enjoy. Um, But yeah, coming back to the question, and definitely this is the most common question that even I have encountered. And I've also learned from my journey as well. So the first thing is you cannot just come to United States and start practicing optometry. So that's not an option. Uh, one option is you, yes, go to optometry school. Uh, the traditional route, you can sit to your entrance exam and get your optometry program for like four years. Uh, that's one thing. But I know there are like about four colleges, NECCO, so uh if I'm not wrong, University of Illinois, as well as University of um, Alabama, if I'm not wrong. Like, uh, but they do have these advanced standing program, okay. which will allow you to kind of, um, you have to, do all their prerequisites, like put in your statement of purpose, your letters, recommendations, fill in the form. And if you qualify, you can get an optometry degree in about two to three years, depending on what they have to offer. So that's another route of, you know, still doing optometry. Uh, But those programs are extremely competitive and really difficult. I actually applied for NECO. I did get into like top 10, but then I didn't qualify. For good or for bad, uh, but that was like my original plan as well, that I want to sure. get into optometry. Uh, but that is definitely an option. And just on on, uh, on that note, I have done an interview of an optometrist who did this shorter program, like a two year program from NECO, And she experienced, or she explained her experience in NECO. so she did optometry in India. She qualified, she completed, and now she's in a practicing optometrist. In the United States. So if anybody wants to check that out, like what are the requirements? How did she apply? How intense it is, and it is extremely intense for sure. Uh, So that's the option of how you can get optometry license in the United States. Other options to practice here uh, would not be optometry, but it would be more like an ophthalmic technician or a licensed optician or licensed contact lens practitioner those are other options available. And for that, you really just need like a certification. So it's like a quick online exam. It's not that intensive. And it's easier to get that in that route to start working in the United States. But the bigger thing uh, before all this is your visa status. And this is something that I kind of mentioned to everyone. Uh, They're like, you need to have a valid work permit to be working in, a, in the United States. So it's not just like I flew in here and I can start working.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you,
1: mean, you need to be either on a dependent work visa or you should have some form of work visa, like there are multiple formats of it, but you definitely need to have some work visa either through some organizations, a company that sponsors you or through your spouse, some other way, or, or you should have a student visa if you're studying a program here. Only then you can work. Otherwise, you
0: can't work here. Gotcha, gotcha. Fantastic answer. I mean, I knew a little bit, but I didn't know the whole, you know, scope of what you just stated. So mm-hmm. that's something that's going to, I'm pretty sure, go viral and get played over and over and over. And everyone can use Defocus Media as a reference because, yes. again, I get asked that question all the time. Um, you know, I have pointed them to PCO because I remember they had some type of program in New England as well, but I didn't know the details of it. And now you got me at the point where I want to go do some more research. That way I can give them more of a better educated answer or just rewatch this. Right. But um, let's let's kind of, again, pivot, switch gears. Um, Let's discuss your career um, in the the States. Um, I want to discuss opportunities beyond the exam lane. So if maybe you can kind of share, you know, what your journey has looked like as an eye care professional in the States.
1: Absolutely. And I think I just touched upon right, like you know, I wanted to be an optometrist. That's mm-hmm. what I did. And I like, I want to get optometry degree. And sadly, I didn't get into the program. I, mm-hmm. I wouldn't say sadly, like good or bad. I didn't get into the program. And I everything
0: had, happens for a reason. It's agree. on all sides. You just gotta make sure you look up to see it and catch it.
1: Absolutely. And I Right now, I'm like, I'm happy where I am, so I think uh, no regrets for sure. But when I didn't get it, I had an, uh, I had to wait for another year before I could apply. Okay. While I was waiting, I just think of doing something else. and I was always keen and interested on the management side of it, okay. uh, of the eye care industry in general because I'd been practicing as a clinical optometrist back in India, and I also did a lot of work in the retail side of stuff. But I never had a chance to step out and look on the business. And that's when I did learn about an executive MBA as an option. I'm like, while I'm waiting for a year, let me just get a degree. I'm not going to lose anything kind of a thing. <laughs> and trust me, it was a game changer. And I realized, ah, I never tried to kind of like, you know, defocus and look into other options.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> so I get, I did get into an executive MBA program. Uh, which did help me better understand from like the business side uh, kind of things. And then I was very clear, I wanted to implement or put in all my business learnings into eye care. Uh, then optometry was a little uh, sidelined because I'm like, this is sounds very interesting. I've seen the clinical side of it. Let me see the business side of the industry. And then I started looking into opportunities within uh, within the industry. Luckily, I did start. I did get an opportunity and I was introduced to the world of telehealth and teleoptometry uh, in 2019, early 2019. So it was way, way before COVID. And I was extremely skeptical about what this thing would be. I started off like I'll do like a three month contract. I'll see if I can even fit in and then we'll see where it goes. Since then, until now, I'm in love with technology and I care and I'm doing telehealth. <laughs> I think if I start something I don't leave you know that's my Well, and
0: and again you know that's that blessing right I mean when you were here it was during the pandemic and what was hot during that time telehealth teleoptometry and you know when I look at your career here in the states and just even prior like it's kind of always been a part of your DNA right the clinical aspect and the technology aspect um reaching and connecting with people in different ways um, whether it's virtually, whether it's podcasting. So it's like you're really living your purpose. You just took a different route than what you thought it was yes. actually going to be.
1: Yes. And I and I love that I was able to kind of explore this side of it because I would have never otherwise seen beyond optometry or eye care because yeah. I was so focused on just like the clinical stuff and didn't have the exposure of the industry and the impact you can make there. And I'm so happy to see so many optometrists right now. In the industry and my colleagues who come out of the school practice for two years and they're like we're going to explore industry and i'm like i didn't do that i just was practicing <laughs> you know uh, but this is great i feel like so many of my colleagues and young optometrists want to explore different aspects of it and yes i definitely don't have a license to practice in united states but i do work with industry in the eye care and the technology space and luckily because of my mba and the optometry background in india which uh, though I don't have an optometry degree in US, I did volunteer at multiple places to understand the differences, like the insurance piece of it, or how does okay. the patient doctor relationship happens, what works, what doesn't work. And my clinical knowledge from India, I was able to kind of put it in aspect with the industry. And I was able to cater into different roles into management from operational management manager to director of clinical affairs to a product manager and I'm now a marketing product manager. So nice. kind of diverged uh, into different roles, thanks to everything that I've learned throughout the journey and people who have been patient enough <laughs> yeah. to, uh, to kind of teach me throughout the way.
0: I love it, I love it. And you, know, you gotta have those mentors, you gotta have those people around you that's gonna make you better, smarter, stronger, uh, connected, um, it's key to have those people and those resources around you. You know, something I want to, I want to, you know, stay on this topic, but I want to really get some advice from you for those that may be thinking about taking one of these non-traditional routes in optometry. I know you mentioned your MBA. I know that's a big piece of advice, right? That probably really helped you to understand the full scope of the business aspect. But what other pieces of advice do you have for those that may be coming for abroad or someone that's here in the States and they want to jump in the industry? What advice can you share?
1: Definitely. Actually, I have a few colleagues who have done some unconventional path or they've taken unconventional path to do something. They have done master's in health informatics, which deals a lot of uh, to do with like data and information that is clinically available. And I feel that's a really hot topic or a degree you should own if you want to get into those level of insights. Uh, there are people who are working in the public health domain within Mm -hmm. eye care as well. And of course you can specialize in marketing in case that's your niche and that's what you enjoy. And then there are several roles within the eye care industry. So I feel these three or four are something that I'm aware about where you can learn specialities from general aspect. And then the key is to implement it in the eye care because you can learn anything from health informatics that that could talk about information in general about the health, but how do I use it with the information that I get Within the eye care industry? How do I read the data? How do I make in, uh, informed decisions or create these dashboards that are now the hot things which people are trying to kind of develop in okay. the eye care space with technology? So I think those are some very good master's programs that are available out there uh, that people can kind of uh, dive deep into.
0: Gotcha. And in regards to you know exploring this non traditional route, did you have a mentor? Was there someone that kind of Walked you through that? This is how you should um, apply to this job. Um, maybe you should look at this. Or did you just kind of jump out there and put yourself out there? How did that? How did that work?
1: No, I was there all over the place. Trust me. No, I. So it's good <laughs> and bad. So I didn't know what I wanted to do. So I'm sure there are a lot of people who were ready to mentor me, but the route that I was exploring, even they don't know about it, and nor did I. So I like I want to do something in this space. Uh, But I didn't know which direction to go to. Like, if it's an OD program, I'm like, okay, yeah, do this, 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 this. Now with MBA, I can do anything. Like, I can be into business. I can be into marketing. I can be into product. Like, where do you want to be? And I'm like, I'm still exploring. So I did have people who would tell me, like, which positions or roles to look at. But which would be the right fit for something purely trial and error. And one big advice that I would highly, highly recommend everybody, like just go all in and you will have at least 50 rejections before you have the first uh, acceptance. So be completely okay with it. And I'd actually given myself like six six months of a deadline after I graduated and I got something in three months, which was, which was like, okay. But I was like, I'm only going to be in eye care. I only want to do business, but I don't want to wait endlessly so if that doesn't work out, maybe I'll open up to healthcare and not just like it. So I think it's you need to be strategic as well and not be like, this is all I want. But right. be open to experimenting, but go all in and be absolutely OK with the rejections. Everybody's going to reject you till you get. You just need one yes, right? You don't need like 50 yeses. What are they going to do with that?
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I love that. One of my mentors, we were having a conversation the other day and he was telling me, um, you know, I need to step out of my comfort zone. You know, I was telling him I love what I do. Um, I love making an impact, talking to doctors, talking to students, traveling, doing whatever it may be. But he said, you know, for 2024, you should challenge yourself. Step into a lane that you don't have that much knowledge in and see what it looks like. You might be surprised of what you actually may prefer than what you're actually doing right now. So I think it's very important to, you know, step out into somewhere new and try it out to see where you go but also understand that, you know, there is the power of the pivot, right? Whether it's something yes. new or going back to where you're uh, accustomed and used to doing things, right? So I love that you stated that. Um, you know, what I would like to do next is switch gears. Um, you're famous. You're a rockstar <laughs> podcast through, right? You're the nerdy optometrist. How in the world did you come up with that name, right? And how did in the world, did you even decide to want a podcast? Because being a fellow podcaster, um, podcasting is tough, right? I mean, now it's easy because I've been doing it for so many years. But in the early stages, it was difficult, right? Especially when Jen and I was doing it because it wasn't really anyone out there that was really making that magic happen. So I'm curious to know, how did you get started and how did you come up with that name? Because I adore your name.
1: Well, first of all, thank you so much. Again, this is my favorite question. So I, I always say this, like, and this credit 100% goes to Dr. Maria Zimbalas. Uh-huh. Uh, Shout out
0: so to she, Dr. Zimbalas. She's a rock star yeah. too.
1: Yes, yes, yes. So when I moved to United States, I still was like, oh, I left my country. I'm missing. Mm-hmm. I want to do something. I want to give back to the community who has taught me so much. And that was, that was something that I always had a feeling. I just didn't know what I wanted to do. And it was then when uh, Dr. Simpalis was very kind enough. She has been like answering all my ridiculous questions when I had no idea what I was trying to do. (laughs) But beyond that, she's like, let me interview you. You'll come up with a new perspective. And that's how I was introduced to the world of podcasting. And then she was, uh, and that was basically it. I like, this sounds to be cool. And initially I just did audio podcasting and I'm like, I don't want to dress up. I don't want to show my face, <laughs> like this is cool. You know, like, ooh, just edit the audio. And then luckily I had, I have my husband who is an engineer. So he has oh, nice. setting up with the initial things. And as far as the name is concerned, so he was actually following a, a podcast uh, called Mad Feinstein. And i felt that's a very cool name i want to have something and he came up with like and we were brainstorming few options and you're like mad optometrist i'm like you know it i know it let's not make this <laughs> i'm like no <laughs> <laughs> so he so then we went to geek and then nerdy and then i think nerdy just like did stick with us or uh, me i'm like yeah this is kind of me people who know me they know i'm a nerd but they also know like i'm not like nerd nerd i would not spend too much time at, in reading but i love interacting and learning so <laughs> I, I can take this and uh, that's how the name kind of uh, happened and i had uh and i had a friend who basically was ready to be my guinea pig so she is in practicing optometrist from new zealand and she is like a scientist back there and she i like i don't know what i'm doing are you okay to kind of be testing out this thing with me. And she's like, yeah, I'm happy to talk about it. And we actually started a series <laughs> where we're trying to focus on how optometrists from India can study in different parts of the world. So we did New Zealand, Malaysia, Australia, uh, UAE. So we were kind of UK, uh, yeah. so on and so forth. And that's how it all started. Like two people said, yeah, let we'll help you. And I didn't have any logo. I just did put up my face, to be very honest, to start the
0: podcast. <laughs> <laughs> But for everyone out there listening if you're trying to start a podcast the hell with the logo just throw your face on it and you'll represent and you'll attract all the right podcast listeners there no doubt about it <laughs>
1: and, and another fun fact is my logo has been designed by a fellow optometrist
0: oh nice
1: A frame designer back in india so he did his uh he did his masters from italy where he did learn about like designing frames so he is a frame eyewear designer and he actually created this logo for me. So it's like all, and I had, and this was like after, I think a couple of episodes and I realized, okay, I think I can do this and people will listen to me. Before that, it was just like my face on it and like me talking to my friends. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so let's, let's dive into the podcast, right? I mean, you have over 20,000 downloads, which is huge, especially when you think about I Care and how small the community is, right? That means you're putting solid content out there, right? but with so many episodes, 70 plus episodes, 20,000 downloads, um, there has to have been some memorable moments. There had to have been some podcasts that really touched you, right? So I'd love to maybe to share, you know, one of those precious moments that you had on the podcast.
1: Absolutely, I think uh, one good thing is I, the reason I have so many downloads is the secret is I invite all popular people on the podcast. So you see, (laughs) that's the key. (laughs) you have been on my podcast as well so the the, one of the one of the key thing is like call popular people on the
0: show (laughs) (laughs) i love it
1: (laughs) and uh, and i also try to capture like people's journey because uh, that's what the focus of nerdy optometrist has been from the start where i don't want to talk too much about the clinical stuff because i think i'm no expert but there's still a lot of information out there I want to know you, like why you started biopia PR practice or why you're doing this. Right. So it's all my questions are like, why? And what were your challenges? Like, I just do like picking people's challenges and uh, stories which are not being shared otherwise.
0: Oh yeah, uh, <laughs> those are the best. I mean, like, I, I think when I go back and I think about the Rolodex of all the podcasts that we've had, um, I think at Defocus Media, we really excelled with creating brand awareness and education Um, But taking those two things and really weaving it into patient's journey or excuse me, doctor's journeys, Um, because everyone sees themselves in the person that we're podcasting with. Right. Whoever the guest is, there's someone out there that looks just like them that's going through the same thing, maybe the early stage or a different part of uh, of the journey. But they learn so much from other people. And I think it's great that we as podcasters, you know, have the opportunity to have people come on our shows and share their stories because it makes a big impact. It makes the optometry industry better. It makes healthcare better. Um, we really have an opportunity to change what the landscape of optometry looks like. And we all can learn from each other just from a 15, 30, 40 minute conversation, which is mind blowing when you think about it.
1: Absolutely. And trust me, every I started this podcast thinking I'm gonna give something to the community, but it has been completely opposite. I have yeah. made so many amazing connections of friends in the industry. They are the true
0: nerd,
1: though I, uh, though I have taken the. <laughs> that's another <Yeah>.
0: trick. <laughs> Well, Fun fact, Jen and I—we, uh, when we look at you know content for the year or bringing a guest on, we 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 low key do have a selfish thing that we sometimes do. Um, when we want to learn about something new, we'll bring someone in. <laughs> that's an expert on that. That way, we can kind of walk through and get all our questions answered. Uh, as well so I mean it's still going out to the community everyone's learning with us but a lot of times we want to learn more about it so we'll bring a guest on that's an expert in that uh, realm
1: yeah absolutely and I feel I feel I've learned so much in every episode but a couple of episodes did did feel like to touch me personally I did one episode where we were talking about like you know how uh, women wearing glasses or eye care is still considered to be like an issue like I care for women is still yeah. a challenge, and some stats around it were like shocking. So I think those kind of stories that did come out were very interesting. I did something uh, for Women's Day where I had people from different parts of the world at different level of optoma- or, uh, different level of practicing optometry or industry, and when I talked to them, eh, we realized that all our challenges are same. You know, whichever yeah. part of the world you are, whatever position you are in, practicing independently or in the industry that those are like the same stuff and everybody has challenges is like something that I've learned in general, but the point is like, keep going. If you're passionate about it, nobody knows everything. We are all figuring it out.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, for someone that's listening um, and they're like, you know what? I want to be a guest on your show. Uh, what's the best for way for them to connect with you or partner with you to, to be a part of your show?
1: Oh, they can, they can definitely reach out to me on Instagram at Naughty Optometrist. They can message me on LinkedIn as well at Naughty Optometrist, or they can visit my website, uh, www.naughtyoptometrist.com, and also fill in a form and kind of connect with me. I'm pretty much everywhere.
0: Just ping me. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Now, when it's your time to retire for Raptor, You know your time to retire from the game step away from eye care put your jersey up in the rafters you know uh what is it that you want to be known for in i care
1: uh i feel apart from nerdy optometrist an optometrist with smile because i think i always would like to have someone thinking she's the one who's always smiling and bringing happiness (laughs) in the industry so i think nerdy optometrist with a smile i think that would go with that
0: (laughs) I love it, and you know, I think that's why you and I gel well uh, so well together and connect. You know, my purpose is to create the state of happiness through the art of vision, right? So I love to see people smile. I love to be able to help them reach their purpose, the vision where they want to go. I love to have my help my patients um, smile after they get their pair of glasses. You know, that's a common thing that we have, and um, if we can just make sure that's a part of the DNA of eye care, you know, we can change what healthcare looks like. So. You know, we encourage all of y'all out there, get out there tomorrow when you see a patient, every single patient that walks through your door, make sure they leave with a smile and make sure they leave with the right solutions that they need to be successful yeah. at whatever they do in life.
1: And one other thing I would like to add is don't don't fear technology, let's embrace it. And let's future-proof our practice because we need to be at the forefront and driving this technology versus the other way around. So I feel, and, I, and as an optometrist, I... I was skeptical, but I love technology now. And I think everybody should give it a full try.
0: I love it. You know, I think that's the best way to end this show. Um, We got to do better, you guys. Don't let optometry uh, go down because you're scared to accept, you know, the new technology that's out there. I've said this numerous times on this show. This is the best time to be an eye care. This is the best time to be an optometrist. All the innovation, whether it's drugs, whether it's technology, whether it's AI, um, all the opportunities for students to get their debt paid for by different employers and uh, you know, uh, things that are out there. It doesn't get any better than this. We are in great times in eye care. And as a team, as a family, we can continue to push this profession forward. But one thing that's very important, and you brought this up, we have to own this disruptive technology. Yes. It has to belong to eye care. We cannot let outside factors take uh, hold of that because it will mess up our profession, but most importantly, It's going to hurt that patient on the other side that needs you more than anything. Uh, My friend, thank you so much for being on the show this evening. This has been fantastic. Continue doing all the great work. Continue making an impact. Continue to make people happy and have those big, what I like to call, Kool-Aid smiles, right? Uh, You know, and uh, continue changing the game. But uh, thanks so much for being on the show. Thanks for everyone that tuned in. Make sure you subscribe to uh, Defocus Media on all podcast platforms, iTunes, Stitcher, um, you know, whatever you can think of, we're on it, right? Make yeah. sure you go to our YouTube page and subscribe there. We got some amazing content out there as well, and you don't want to miss it. But again, thanks so much for hanging out with us. It's your favorite optometrist, Dr. Daryl Glover. Stay healthy, stay positive, stay blessed. And until next time, peace. All right, colleagues, and it's a wrap. Thank you dearly for hanging out with the Defocus Media team. We hope truly something resonated with you. And if it did, be sure to give us five stars and make sure you follow us on all social media platforms. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, you name it. And our handle is at Defocus Media on all platforms. And until next time, be sure to keep it 2020, and we look forward to seeing you on the next episode.